Steven, I think they're ready for us. You ready? Let's get it. So welcome everybody. Thank you all so much for coming out tonight to this wonderful event that we have for you all. My name is Christian Hayes. I am one half of the We Got Next podcast that we have between me and my good friend, Steven Springer. Uh, just to give you all a little bit of an introduction about who I am and who Steven is. So my name, like I said, is Christian Hayes. I went to Oldham University where I got my bachelor's in sports management and I'm currently finishing up my master's degree at George Mason with a concentration in finance and accounting. Steven, who's the sports aspect more so than me, he went to Penn State, so all the Penn State fans out there, um, he went there and he's focused on a lot of college football. So just a little bit of housekeeping notes. If you ever hear me say shout out, some of the people in the audience uh, do watch the podcast too. You'll hear somebody say shout out. So that's one big thing. Another thing is we will have surveys afterwards. So McLean Community Center, who was nice enough to end up letting me have the show tonight here, uh, they will have surveys. So just make sure to end up taking the survey as a part of the strategic plan that they are doing. And I just wanna say thank you to you all once again. So without further ado, the special guest we have for you all today, he is a graduate of Virginia Tech. So all the Hokies out there, go Hokies. He is a big football fan as well. He is a CPA, so that's another huge thing. And he's previously worked for Deloitte as well as Fidelity National. So those are two big ones. And he currently has held various different roles for Capital One. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to the Managing Vice President of Corporate Development, Mr. Mason Young. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Thank you it. for having me. How are you doing? Excellent. So before we get started, um, can you just tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do? At Capital One? Yes, yeah, so Capital you mean? One. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I've been with the company for 10 years entirely in corporate development. Um, for those of you that aren't in finance, um, corporate development means is a function within a large company responsible for partnerships, acquiring other companies, investments, and overall strategy for the company. Thank you. So something I want to dive into when I normally do the podcast and shows, I like to start off a little bit back, then we'll move forward. And let's talk about some of the Virginia Tech days. So are you a big like sports fan, college football person? I was the first day I landed at Virginia Tech on the okay. heels of Michael Vick, of course, <laughs> um, back in the heyday when we were disappointed not to be in the top 10. Mm -hmm. um, and so the five years I spent at Virginia Tech, pretty much every single Saturday or Thursday night, you know, we were at the stadium watching them play and you know, traveling to see the games and the playoffs. Um, went to a championship game in New Orleans one year. How was that? Uh, amazing. <laughs> right around New Year's Eve, we had a great time on Bourbon Street. Uh, so, <laughs> so you brought up Michael Vick, and that was mm -hmm. something I wanted to end up bringing up. So as someone that grew up watching Michael Vick play, more so in the NFL, but I've seen like his highlights back in college football, and I noticed you were there when he was there for a little bit. What was it like to be able to see Michael Vick play? Well, I, you know, I think he was inspiring, you know, for me, for, you know, his peers uh, on the field. Um, and just to see somebody, you know, really um, become an all-star in college football uh, mm -hmm. at, at that level um, and take his team and, you know, the school from, you know, it's ho-hum, you know, yeah. institution and, you know, college football to, you know, a top 10, you know, team and really build the foundation for, um, you know, college football at Capital One, at Capital One Virginia <laughs> Tech. Um, over the last, you know, 25 years, I think, you know, his history, he was yeah. really responsible for making. How's Blacksburg? 
So as someone, I'm from Virginia Beach, the house of Blacksburg area. It's underrated, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of folks don't exit off on 81 before they enter into Tennessee yeah. and see the town of Blacksburg <laughs> in, the, in the mountains of Southwest Virginia, but it's a beautiful place to, to go to school and grow up for you know, folks that are from there. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, the five years I spent there, um, hiking, camping, um, mm-hmm. just being really outdoors quite a bit. Um, and you know the, the town is phenomenal. The university, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into that, but mm-hmm. um, really underrated, I think, as an institution, um, you know, in a college. And really enjoyed my you know academic time there as well as the sports and yeah. the outdoor activities. So how did you? Because I know everyone has a story about how they went to the school that they chose. How did you end up choosing to go to Virginia Tech? Um, geez, there, there was a long road to to that decision. But you know, long story short. Uh, you know, grew up in the area here, went to Oakton High School, mm-hmm. um, you know, wanted to go to a Virginia school, stay relatively close to home and, you know, seeing Michael Vick yeah. um, and, and, you know, Virginia Tech really being elevated on the national stage because of him really drew my attention to, to uh, VT as an option. Wow. And uh, went there, loved it and ultimately accepted the offer. Wow. So that's something because I see it on TV. It's a beautiful campus. Um, another thing I want to bring up, switching gears, more so unfortunate, but what does April 16, 2007 mean to you? So you're referring to the shooting at Virginia yeah. Tech, I presume. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just landed on the West Coast in California. I moved to Santa Barbara after a couple of years in the D.C. area after graduating. And, um, you know, of course, saw that on you know, national news as it was happening. Um, and it really shook me because, you know, my time at Virginia Tech was peaceful, right? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, views of the mountains, you know, being out in nature. And um, I, you know, personally felt safe the entire time I was there, you know, surrounded by great, you know, peers and students. And it was just a really, um, you know, empowering um, you know, culture to be a part of. And so, you know, I think as a student there, I was, I was putting myself in their position on that day, you know, seeing it unfold on TV and just thinking how, you know, scary it was for them in the moment and how that probably changed their perception of their environment, mm. you know, over the, you know, three, four years that, you know, they were there as students. Did you see the community become stronger afterwards compared to like you being there uh, before the shooting and everything and then afterwards, did you notice like a sense of togetherness after the event? So because I was out in California at the time and mm-hmm. you know, for you know, five or six years after it happened, I, I never got back to the university to, to really feel how the culture had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think you know, it, it had been a, you know, the bright side of what happened yeah. is that I, I think at Virginia Tech, at other universities, um, you know, they really took that incident and reinforced their security protocol so that it made students not just at Virginia Tech, but across the country feel a lot safer, you know, going to class and being a student. Mm. So bring it up because you brought up Santa Barbara, California. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, how was your time out there? I'm one that'll go to like the San Diego area at times, <clears throat> but how was Santa Barbara for everyone that hasn't necessarily been there? Well, you know, how I got there is interesting because it was quite unexpected. Um, you know, I had just graduated college and like so many graduates, you know, that, you know, grow, grows up, grow up in a city, mm-hmm. um, you know the city, you know the market, you know, you know um, your town, you want to go somewhere new. And yeah. so I was looking at you know, New York City, um, I just uh, became married to my wife, um, and I was talking to a recruiter in New York, and he said, look, I know you're interested in New York uh, job opportunities, but 
a colleague of mine is looking to hire somebody at your level um, for a job in Santa Barbara, California. Wow. And it just so happened that my wife's grandparents lived in Santa Barbara. We had never considered California, much less a small beach town, you know, outside of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And it just was, you know, the right job at the right time with the right family connection. And we landed there. And, you know, I, I went out there, stayed with my wife's grandparents, um, you know, saw this, you know, perfect beach down. I mm. mean, for those of you that haven't been there, it's tucked between the beach and the mountains. Um, and uh, the other side of the mountains has the wineries and the vineyards. Um, and so it's really just a perfect place to live. And I was blown away, called my wife immediately and said, you have to come out here and see it for yourself. She did. And you, we accepted the job offer in a couple wow. weeks. Because how long were you out there? We spent uh, about five years there mm -hmm. before feeling the pull back home to the D.C. See, area. <laughs> so bringing that up, since you were in California and you've also lived on the East Coast, um, where would you, and then you also went to the championship game, where would you say is your favorite place that you've ever visited? I would have to say Hawaii. Really? Hawaii, yeah. Right. Um, my wife's family took me out there shortly after you know, graduating from Virginia Tech um on a on an anniversary trip and you know we just i personally fell in love i think my wife fell in love and so that's where we went back for our honeymoon wow. a couple years later wow so the other thing i wanted to bring up is sports um we brought up it in the beginning but i wanted to circle back with it like do you have any favorite sports i know we were talking earlier about it but do you have any certain sports you follow or typical teams you like to look into so, you know, I, I grew up as, you know, many of the guys in the room and gals in the room did playing basketball, baseball, soccer, football, um, played football in, in high school at Oakton, uh, didn't play any sports in college. But, you know, football really has stuck with me over the years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have three boys. You know, my boys love all sports, but they particularly love flag football right now mm. at their age. And, you know, they're really into college football and professional football. I just took my oldest for his birthday to see the Bucks play Washington. That, wow. Um, it's something about, you know, NFL Sundays just, you know, gives me a thrill and, you know, especially going to games and mm -hmm. over the last, you know, decade or so, my, you know, father-in-law has had season tickets. And so I've enjoyed, you know, going to Washington games with him over the years. And there's just something about the tailgate energy of the NFL yeah. game that's hard to replicate in, you know, all the other sports. So, so was he happy with the outcome? Uh, he has not been ha happy with the outcome for the last five years, and so he canceled his season tickets. Uh, I think three or four years ago, uh, goes to the game here and there. But so what's cool about that is, and some of my friends as well know this, but the football team, their new quarterback is Taylor Heineke. So that's yeah. something that I'm really proud of because yeah. being from Old Dominion, being able to see him play. So I've seen like some of my friends. They travel all the way out to Denver when he ends up playing there. But it's cool to end up seeing. Um, Taylor playing, but also when you get to see people that you went to school with, so for you like Michael mm -hmm. Vick and other athletes, and seeing them now in the pros, it's a pretty cool thing. Mm -hmm. Have you gone to see any other uh, sporting events outside of like the football team and the Buccaneers? But you got to see the GOAT. Sure. I, so. Well, I go back. Yeah. Yeah. And you're referring to the win over the Bucks this mm -hmm. last Sunday. Yeah. No, my son was ecstatic. Or, uh, yeah. Um, but no, I, we go on an annual camping trip with you know, some of my fraternity brothers at Virginia Tech down at Blacksburg and go to a game and then take you know, our boys and daughters out uh, to the mountains for camping. And so I do that. And then you know, just being in the D.C. area, you have to go to the Nat Nationals games. You That's have to nice see you know, the Wizards and the Caps. And so we 
or on that rotation you know, yep. through the seasons, which is a lot of fun. So which tailgates do you like better? Football, um, NFL, or the NCAA college football tailgates? Oh, man. I would say the Washington tailgate game has gone downhill over the years, <laughs> but, you know, uh, in line with attendance. But, you know, you can't beat a, a Virginia Tech tailgate or, you know, in Alabama, my yeah. sister-in-law went there, and so I got to go to a few games. So I brought that up because I'll go mm -hmm. with Steven and we'll go to the Penn State ones. Mm -hmm. And no matter what I can tell people, it's one of those things that you almost have to be there to like live it. It's not one of those things you can fully explain to anybody about a tailgate in college compared to NFLs. Sometimes I would even say they're a little watered down per se in the NFL compared to like what you have mm -hmm. at those. But also with those stadiums, can you give everyone an understanding of what it's like in those big stadiums? Because they can hold more people than what NFL stadiums can too. Right, yeah, no, the energy in a college stadium you know, with with the crowd, you know, packed in there is just nothing, nothing you can replicate. I believe in the NFL mm -hmm. um, at a really good kind of college stadium. Um, you know, inner Sandman at Virginia Tech for those you know Hokies in the room. You know, mm -hmm. firsthand. Um, you know, the the song that comes on before the players run out on the field, and then this you know crowd in the stand starts jumping up and down. It's it's incredible. Now, who would you say is your favorite player or the best player you've seen during your time, either in the pros when you've gone to a game in person or even in college? Would be your favorite athlete you've seen play? You know, I'll just, I'll just keep it local um, and, and give you two. You, you asked for one, but I'll give you two. I, know. I, you know, I, I think it's, last year it was amazing to see, you know, Chase Young come onto the scene. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so that's been great. I think he struggled a little bit recently, but I'm no sports yeah. commentator, so I should I know. <laughs> shy away from that, Torn especially ACL. publicly. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, back when RG3 came onto the scene and really turned our program around, um, you know, those are two all-stars that really stand out, you know, to me. And then, you know, just sticking with the football theme. Mm -hmm. um, so bringing that up because I was able to see Patrick Mahomes, you brought up, um, Chase Young and it's one of those things just seeing those athletes one they're enormous like when you see them up close but seeing Patrick Mahomes I would think for me he would be my favorite of course I'm an Eagles fan so seeing them lose to them it was like damn like that's what happened but it's crazy being able to see these different athletes and I was always curious about your perspective because you're able to go to college games like pro games so thank you for that one. Um, switching gears, we'll switch to another topic because we talked about the sports a lot. I want to talk about the finance and your finance background. So you were at Deloitte, you were at uh, Fidelity. Why did you choose to go to Capital One with the resume that you have and the credentials you have? What stuck out to you about Capital One? Well, I mean, I, I think it's all about you know, your professional growth, you know, and, and that influences your decisions along the way and personal your, your personal life also factors into the decisions you make professionally. Um, and so, you know, at the time I was out in California in Santa Barbara and was at a phenomenal company, Fidelity National Financial, um, but felt the pull back to the DC area and, you know, applied to a job at Capital One um, at the director level, ended up getting a job offer and took a leap of faith, you mm -hmm. know, because at my current employer, you know, I was doing deals across many industries, um, not just limited to one. Yeah. Like the folks I worked with, um, saw a tremendous trajectory in my current role, um, but felt the pull back to you know the DC area personally, and um, you know joined Capital One into what I believed at the time was you know a you know great group with a great 
leader, um, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the head of corporate de corporate development at the time, and took a leap of faith as many do when changing jobs. So the real question, and no one's going to ask you this probably, but me, but what the hell are y'all building over there? That's the yes. real thing I want to know. I, I, I get asked, what are you building and how many people work there? Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I've seen it questions. since driving by for years when they started building it then. I used to like call my friends and be like, yo, they're building a football stadium or something over there. But right. what is it fully that you're doing? Right. So, you know, when I joined just you know, 10 years ago, it, it was a 13 floor building. Um, it was soccer fields, baseball fields, uh, volleyball court. And that was pretty much it. Um, mm -hmm. They went on to build the metro stop there. And then we thought big picture about what we could do with that real estate. And uh, we began to develop it, um, you know, get approvals from the county. And to answer your question, you know, yeah. what we ultimately built was a much larger tower for Capital One employees. Mm -hmm. It's about 30 floors uh, and is one of the wow. highest buildings uh, or the highest building in the DC area uh, next to the Washington Monument. Um, and then just as we expanded over the last 10 years, we hired a ton more people and did, ran out of real estate in our home campus. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we began to uh, build out offices across the area. And mm -hmm. what we realized was that's not a great kind of collaborative environment for our associates. So we wanted to bring them back to a single campus and ultimately you know, built not just two Capital One Towers there, but four plus a hotel uh, plus Capital One Hall for the performing arts, wow. um, and then you know a bunch of retail, including Wegmans, which I'm sure yeah, many of you they have been brought to. it up. Yeah, yeah. So for everyone out there, if you he brought up how big the building is, and if you drive from Maryland into Virginia, you can see the building. Like you can see the top of it, especially at night. You'll see the red and blue uh, coloring from the top. So you brought up the hotels and stuff, and there's two different sides of the street. Do you guys have the ownership rights or the property that's on the other side that they're constructing and building like that hotel in the buildings, or is it just on your side of the street? So I, I don't have all my facts straight. No. I, I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. I, I do believe you know, we own you know, the Capital One campus as it exists today with all the retail hotels and mm -hmm. uh, you know, other properties being developed on it. We've subleased you know, the spaces out to the operators, but across the street, I don't believe so. Okay, and is there a gym inside that Capital One building? I'm just saying, there are a handful I drive, of gyms. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot in there. There's a fabulous dining facility, um, gym, physician office. Uh, it's, basketball it's a court? Really basketball I feel like I've seen a basketball court. In the court. new one, yes. Um, yeah, they really did a, a nice job of, of building that out for Capital One Associates. So that's a um, segue into one of the questions that the audience ended up bringing up. They brought up the uh, Capital One Hall. So the performing arts, and what are your thoughts on how a performing arts center can play an impact with the community? Do you feel like this is something that can bring together a community whenever you have like a performing arts? Or what do you think was the vision behind Capital One creating like the yeah. Capital One Hall? Well, you know, I don't have all the, the details around the decision making for putting Capital One Hall you mm -hmm. know, in the development. But, you know, I think we and the county and the stakeholders in the decision making process wanted that area to be, and Tyson's Corner more broadly, to be about more than just office space, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, you know, the Monday through Friday, you know, routine of going to work and then going back home and on the weekends it being dead. And so they wanted to create a living, breathing place where um, you know, the community could gather much like here at McLean Community Center. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you know, the Capital One Hall was a key part of that. And 
you know, drive by uh, the hall on a Friday at 5 p.m. and there's yeah. a crowd outside waiting to get in. And I had a meeting there, uh, you know, for work that extended into Friday evening. And I was wow. in the hall and could kind of see, you know, the beautiful space and the crowd pouring in. And it was just, you know, full life. And it was really good to see, especially after the last 18 months. Wow. So it's something that's beautiful. If anyone ever drove by there, you can even see pictures. It's an amazing thing. Um, the other thing I wanted to end up bringing up is because I got this question as well. Can you explain what you do exactly uh, at Capital One so everyone can understand it? Sure. So, you know, in terms of just Capital One as a company, let me take a step back and I'll tell you, you know, my role within the company. Um, it, it's a credit card company first and foremost, and many of you all probably know the slogan, what's in your wallet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was founded over 25 years ago by Richard Fairbank, who resides in McLean. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really a startup in the beginning, uh, you know, back in the 90s when it was founded. And, you know, over time expanded through acquisition. And that's what my role is, you know, today is a quick preview um, to, you know, acquire banks, to acquire lending businesses. And, you know, fast forward to today, uh, you know, we're a national uh, retail bank yeah. um, that came from another acquisition of ING Direct. Um, we have a national credit card franchise that serves consumers, which, you know, offers rewards cards. Um, we also um, provide services to small businesses, two million exactly, um, you know, in the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. in the form of a credit card product and, and banking services. Uh, commercial bank that serves larger corporations um, to, you know, the largest auto lending franchise in the country. So if you're buying a car, you're likely getting a loan and financing it from Capital One. Um, and so, you know, what we've really tried to build over the last 25 years, and this is just you know, me telling the story you know, indirectly, is um, a business that touches your life every single mm -hmm. day. You know, you're pulling out your wallet to buy groceries, you're pulling out your Capital One credit card, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, you're getting a car and you're financing it through Capital One. And we've begun to build more and more touch points with consumers in, in the U.S. through acquisitions of shopping platforms, mm -hmm. partnerships in the travel industry, uh, like one we just launched with uh, Hopper, um, and, and you know, I should stay away from future product launches. But there's a lot of exciting, you know, news on the horizon for, you know, Capital One and what we're doing. And in terms of my role, um, it's evolved over the last ten years, as I'm mm -hmm. sure you know, many of this room, you know, jobs have. Um, yeah. But you know, at the core is really acquisitions. So buying companies to build Capital One's franchise, build the the markets we're in, the customers we reach, and how we engage with them. Uh, increasingly strategic partnerships. Um, so if you can't buy a company, how do you work with companies? And they range from you know, the big technology companies like Google and Amazon to um, you know, VC-backed fintech financial technology companies uh, and everyone in between. Um, and then you know, lastly, uh, investing um, mm -hmm. in, in companies large and small. So uh, we have a venture capital arm and I work closely with them on our investing activities. And then lastly, increasingly as the world's evolving um, because of the dig digital revolution in banking, but also in just the way we live our lives, um, you know, strategy has become increasingly important. You know, where is this world going? How does Capital mm -hmm. One position itself to succeed in that destination? Um, and so working with our corporate strategy team and business leaders on product innovation, expanding our businesses and so on is another element to my job. 
Thank you. So for everyone out there, if you are interested in Capital One, you could probably go online and you'll hear either Samuel Jackson or maybe Christian Hayes. They'll end up talking to you about uh, Capital One out there. <laughs> but um, you brought up uh, venture capital. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? And then how does Capital One get into like the VC aspect of it? Sure. So, so, so venture capital, I'm sure many of you, you are aware of it, the role it plays in the capital markets and driving innovation in you know, this country. Um, you know, if you're a founder and you're looking to raise capital, um, you start with friends and family and hope you can raise, you know, yeah. you know, tens of thousands of dollars or, you know, hopefully hundreds of thousands. And then you need a venture capital firm to back you um, after you've built a minimum viable product. And that's where you know, VCs step in and you know, support innovation and building companies that you know, become the next DoorDash, Instacart, Uber. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's many you know, notches on the, the uh, spectrum in terms of you know, where, how VCs support companies, but um, you know, they, they can build companies to you know, the hundreds of billions of dollars before they go public. And so mm-hmm. Some VCs will specialize in earlier stage companies, other will, others will specialize in later stage companies, mm-hmm. uh, referred to as growth equity investors. Yeah. Um, and then I, your related question was? No, so that's what I was trying to understand, okay. just like the VC aspect of it and just explaining to everyone how um, Capital One positions themselves when it I comes see. to like the VC aspect. I see. So, uh, a big change in my role as technology has taken over the world is, yeah. you know, my focus on technology and, you know, specifically fin- financial technology. You know, when I joined Capital One in 2010 and 2011, we were buying banks like ING Direct mm-hmm. um, and Chevy Chase Bank and, you know, this market. Um, and then as technology has taken over the world, our focus as a company, you know, in terms of the way we build technology. Um, has really changed and evolved, and we've you know rebuilt our entire company in the public cloud and Amazon Web Services, and invested billions in that endeavor. And then for me, uh, you know, in corporate development, you know, I have to be constantly engaging with the outside world, trying to figure out you know where it's headed, you know, the companies that we should be working with or buying, and you know that today is, is technology companies. It's mm-hmm. not you know regional and you know, regional banks and lending businesses, it's, um, it's tech companies, whether it's travel tech companies, dining tech companies, shopping, e-commerce payments, um, technology today is everything. And so that's, you know, where we spend a lot of our time and, you know, it's, it's full spectrum. It's, you know, part working with the PayPal's of the world, Google, yeah. all the way down to, you know, the upstart VC backed startups. So. I'll hold off on that because I do have a question that we talked about before in terms of technology and stuff. I'll switch gears to go not talk about work anymore, but work-life okay. balance is huge for a lot of people and especially you in your position. I know you have to do a lot of work. So what do you do outside of work uh, that you enjoy doing or like any hobbies that you have? Sure. I mean, geez, at my age, at my point, at the point in my career, I really have limited time mm-hmm. for quote hobbies. I mean, I have three boys at home, eight, six and four. Um, the job is not nine to five. I'll leave it there <laughs> and, and can sometimes stretch in the weekend. And then, you know, with, with the boys, you know, at their ages, it's, you know, nonstop during the weekend with their sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you got to find time to, you know, carve out to yourself, um, or, you know, to do something fun, whether it's, you know, going golfing with, you know, one of your, you know, cho- you know, one of my boys, um, 
you know, going on a short weekend trip to the beach, you know, trying to make sure you have those you know, breaks and the daily grind, I think are really important. And look, you'll go through, you know, one, two, three months where, you know, you're, you're just so focused on your know, work and it's bleeding into the weekend and then you're busy with kids schedules, but you got to try to find a couple times during the year to really get away. And, yeah. you know, the guys camping trip to Virginia Tech, you That's know, going to, one. you know, the beach, um, especially during Christmas, trying to Christmas and the holidays, trying to unplug mm-hmm. when you can, because people let up on, you know, the emails and the Zoom meetings. Yeah. You got to lean into those. So for anyone out there that's looking to get into like the banking or finance or anything of that nature, what type of advice or suggestions would you have for somebody just starting out, whether they're in college or just trying to create their own business and understand finance? Well, you know, it really starts when you're choosing your major in undergrad, right? And and you have to be really thoughtful. And, you know, one reason I I wanted to come here and and speak to, you know, to the crowd here, but, you know, the folks listening tonight and in the future is to provide a little bit of guidance on my own journey so mm-hmm. that they can make their own decisions and you know have you know information that enables them to make better decisions um, based on my experience. And you know, I chose Virginia Tech during the dot com bubble yeah. burst. Uh, you know, when my dad lost his job and you know he saw you know his stock you know go up in flames in a you know a technology company he worked for. And it was instilled in me at the time to choose a very safe professional path. And mm-hmm. so I majored in accounting, you know, without fully evaluating all my options at the time. Um, the other option was computer science, uh, but chose accounting. Got my master's in accounting. And that yeah. kind of, your choice in undergrad sets you on a path, mm-hmm. right? And then there's another notch in the continuum where you come come to this graduation point from undergrad and you have to choose your full-time job. Yes, yeah. And and that is a very important point in time to not just, you know, take the first job offer you get, even if it's with a great company, but really think about the work you're going to be doing and how that's going to position you for the next, you know, 30, 40 years of your professional yeah. journey. Um, and, and so, you know, I had a really good mentor at the time who had you know majored in accounting, worked for a big accounting firm, and said, because I was going to PwC right out of mm-hmm. my master's uh, program, he he advised me not to do that and set me on a different direction. And I, I think seeking out those mentors and advisors, both you know before you go to university, after you're you know leaving university and going into full time employment, and then pivoting along your your career, you know, and, and moving from job to job and, and company to company. Um, and so to answer your question about, you know, finance and banking, you know, look, I, there's so many different jobs in, in banking and finance and companies. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to, you know, look at the companies you truly admire, understand, you know, the folks that are succeeding within those companies, understand how they got to where they are and then follow that trajectory. And that was really a catalyst for me leaving the Carlisle Group, which was a great employer, mm-hmm. you know, out of undergrad, um, because I, I was in investor relations and fund management at the time, saw the work that was being done on the deal side of the house, the big private equity buyouts, and wanted to be on that side, but realized I could not get there from where I was. Yeah. And so I, I looked at folks that were on the deal side, understood their experience, left Carlisle to get that experience, and that's what positioned me 
uh, to get the job on the West Coast at Fidelity National Financial. So I'm glad you brought that up. And a key part was when you said um, when you're an undergrad, it sets your path almost. And I remember when I was in my senior year of college, so undergrad, and when I was going for sports management, I took one class, I'll never forget the professor's name, Professor Gupta, and he was my finance professor. And once I took that class, I knew, damn, I couldn't change my majors by this point, because if I go home, tell mom, like, hey, I'm gonna be spending three to four more years here, it's not gonna go too well. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to end up going to get my master's in accounting and finance, and that's what I end up doing. So I totally agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. And it does set a path, but that's what I do appreciate about college, because you're able to end up seeing what you want to do um, with that. Another thing that I did notice just like doing research on you and stuff was CPA. So how was it when you sat for the exam and then how was the studying aspect of it? Because that's something people always tell me, Christian, go for your CPA, your CFA, your financial advisor license, all the different series that they have out there. But how was it sitting for um, that exam and studying for it? You just have to be dedicated to, you know, studying for the test. Mm -hmm. and, and then even, you know, when you you know, take the test, um, you may not pass it on yeah. your first try. And I, luckily I passed three of the four, um, you know, tests required to become a CPA, but the fourth one gave me just a ton of real issues. <laughs> and I, I took it, I think two or three times, probably three before ultimately passing it. It was an audit. And that was probably a good reason for me not to go down the audit path mm -hmm. at PwC at the end of the yeah. day. Um, but you know you got to put the time in you know like it like you know anything uh in life you got to you know dedicate yourself to you know your job and um you know educating yourself to get the job you want um mm -hmm. and then really leaning into the job to you know succeed at it and so you know in terms of the cpa whether it's that the cfa you know a, a nursing test um mm -hmm. you know the preparation is really critical yeah so i was talking to different people before i came here tonight and they were just thinking about how they could change things in their life and just talking to their professors. So if you, knowing what you know now, going back during college and also like your master's and your early years of working, what would you do differently or change from during your career? So I would probably be even more agile than I was. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is don't set yourself on a path and be you know, narrowly focused on just advancing down that path and not be open to change, right? Mm -hmm. Because the world changes, you change, um, new information comes you know, to bear and, and you need to you know, change your course you know, based on that new information and the new you know, world you, you, you're living in. Um, and so you know, in 2000, when I you know, entered Virginia Tech, technology began taking over the world. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, I look back at my decision not to go into computer science yeah. as, you know, probably not the best decision. I should have you know, really leaned into that because technology was beginning to take over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that would probably be my number one is, is to, you know, learn as much as you can early on, make sure, you know, the first decision you make in terms of, you know, your undergrad, your major in undergrad, your internships, your, your job choice out of university are um, you know, well thought through. Mm -hmm. And you know, continue to look back and say, was that the right decision? And make changes on the fly. So you guys will find out what I would change in a little bit. But um, something else I was thinking about when you brought up like your kids and like how you guys go camping and then uh, Virginia Tech games, do you slightly try to persuade them to want to be a hokey or anything like that, like in the house, or do you 
want them to go wherever they want to go. Uh, I, I think, you know, we all want our kids to go where they want to go with mm -hmm. kind of gentle nudging and guidance if we think they're making the wrong decisions. Um, you know, I would love for them to go to Virginia Tech. I'd love for them to go to UVA. I just want to see them succeed, mm -hmm. you know, uh, academic-wise, you know, sports-wise, um, and just personally develop as, you know, boys into grown men. Mm -hmm. So the question that I've always had interest in, and I know you probably get this access a lot outside of talking about uh, what the hell are y'all building over there, but during COVID, a lot of has increased in terms of digital adoption and then uh, digital currencies, specifically like Bitcoin. So what are your thoughts on the resilience of Bitcoin going into post-pandemic, but also what we've seen so far? So look, I, th I think, you know, the pandemic accelerated digital adoption in a number of ways. And as folks were sitting at home with, you know, a bit more income, maybe because of the stimulus checks, mm -hmm. um, began to deposit that and, you know, some of these fintech apps like Square and PayPal, and then began trading, yep. you know, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as they, you know, sat at home and maybe zoomed into, you know, a work call, but, you know, mm -hmm. had a bit of spare time because they weren't commuting into the office and back. Um, and so it, it accelerated digital ad adoption across the board, whether it's, you know, fintech, banking apps, um, you know, cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. you know, as Capital One, I think we're not going to be an early adopter yeah. of cryptocurrency, you know, just personally speaking. Um, you know, I don't think that's where, where we're going. I think it's a very, very new you know, trend in financial services, um, you know, in terms of adoption of, you know, cryptocurrency. And, you know, I think the jury's still out in terms of, you know, the resiliency of that investment class yeah. for uh, investors in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, risky in terms of the volatility day to day. And yeah, I don't think it's something, you know, we're going to take lightly in terms of the decision to get into that market. Yeah. But I think all banks, you know, Chase, you know, included are actively looking at it. And I've spent you know, time this year doing that myself with my team. Mm -hmm. So something I want to bring up, because I know you probably hear about this, Mr. Elon. So what are your thoughts on when whatever Elon says, he has almost like a cult-like following that does whatever he does? What are your thoughts on like if he says, oh, I'm going to sell stock in uh, Tesla and then it'll just sell? How one person can affect markets like that? Yes. Yeah. To so, the best so of your ability without getting you in trouble. The, the, yeah. The social networks, you know, the rise of Twitter has given, you know, everyone from Trump to Elon Musk yep. a pretty massive mic uh, to communicate with America. Um, Personally, it doesn't influence anything I do mm -hmm. with my personal finance finances. But I do think, you know, especially with you know the rise in you know the retail investor, it influences, you know, pack behavior yeah. in the markets yep. um, and, and can definitely move markets and definitely individual stocks. Mm -hmm. um, and and so you know, I think it's it's changed the markets, mm -hmm. you know, the public equity markets for sure. Um, you know, including Bitcoin and these cryptocurrencies. It's, yeah. It's really hard to predict the future. Fundamental you know, valuation uh, methodologies have gone out the window completely. Yeah, um, it's hard. You know, I, I see that just in my job at Capital One and corporate development, trying to value some of these technology companies we look at. Mm -hmm. So he just brought up like Bitcoin and different people that would do that. Ignore everyone if you hear them say it just goes up and to the right because nothing <laughs> just goes up and to the right. But Elon Musk will make you believe that. Um, so something else I wanted to talk about, and this is probably my favorite question. I'll just mm -hmm. sit around and talk to people about it. But 
if you could have dinner with any four people, past or present, we'll go back and forth. You can say yours first, but who would you say uh, your four people you would want to have dinner with? You can end up saying the priest. I've heard people say that. The pope. You can say whoever you want to. Some people even said that just their grandparents. So because we've talked about business and sports a lot tonight, I'm going to limit it to those two, uh, okay. two parts of the world. Um, and you mentioned one of my names, but the other was Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just really admire um, individuals that have built, you know, transformative businesses that have impacted consumer li consumers' lives um, and changed markets. And I think Amazon has definitely done that. And then, you know, Jeff just, you know, using his, you know, position to, you know, push the envelope in space, just like Elon Musk did, mm -hmm. is another. Um, just, you know, just because I kind of lived in and around, you know, the Hollywood LA scene for a period yeah. of time and saw like George Clooney in his finest. Right. <laughs> and now see him on yachts and, you know, Italy and, you know, just he's lived quite a life. I think he'd be fun to sit down with. And then sports wise, um, two, two goats, you know, LeBron James and Tom Brady. Yeah. Yes. Maybe at the same table. That would yeah. be fun. So I want to bring up LeBron James and Tom Brady before I get into Jeff, but how is it like what are your thoughts when you see a lot of these different athletes now focusing not just on the field but they're focusing on their investment aspect so like you have tom brady that's trying to like either um invest in different companies or even lebron striking a lifetime deal with nike what are your thoughts when you see these athletes now focusing on the financial aspect of their lives well i throw i throw you know hollywood into the mix too i mean i, mm -hmm. I see a lot of you know actors and actresses and their venture it. capital funds or you know building venture capital funds you know reese witherspoon you know came to you know a bunch of banks a couple of years ago and said she wanted to launch her own wow you know female-oriented uh, uh fintech bank mm -hmm. um and so look to answer your question i think um Financial health and wellness is, is critical, mm -hmm. um, you know, in today's uh, economy. I think, you know, we've done a disservice to our younger um, adults and not teaching them about personal financial management when they're, um, you know, early on in their, um, you know, personal you know, journey and, and, you know, about to go to college. They need to get financing for college mm -hmm. and, um, and then just how to build credit over the years post-college. And I think you know, through the social networks that you mentioned yeah. uh, with Elon Musk, you know, through seeing, you know, these sports, you know, these athletes that, you know, younger, um, you know, people really respect, you know, making smart financial decisions and building businesses outside of, you know, just being a great athlete, I think, you know, teaches indirectly, you know, financial management and mm -hmm. financial health and how to be, um, you know, a good steward of your finances, which is a really good outcome of what we're seeing. Yeah, so also with that, uh, with you being in finance, what classes do you think that aren't necessarily taught in high school, middle school, elementary school that you feel that they should learn? Um, if it's either taxes or just understanding rules, what do you think they should also be learning in school that can help them along the line? You know, I, th I think it's, you know, the basics, right? It's, you know, what is a bank account? Yeah. What is a savings account? Um, what is a debit card? Um, do I need a credit card? What is a credit card? Does it help me build credit or not? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do I think about paying for college, right? Yeah. Like I, I was fairly, you know, isolated from, you know, these discussions when I was, you know, in high school and my parents were making decisions about how to pay for college. And I think, 
you know, that's kind of a disservice because even if you're lucky enough to have your parents pay for university for you or secure financial aid on your behalf, you should still be part of that decision-making process so that mm -hmm. you, you learn along the way. Um, you know, investing, you know, when should I start investing? Um, what is compound interest? Yes, yes. You know, compound returns and how do I build wealth? You know, it's just basics like that. And look, you can do, you know, 101 for, you know, a freshman in high school and at least it plants a seed and um, maybe, you know, that seed will grow and, you know, that will also inform how they think about their future career, you know, in finance or running as far away from it as possible. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I want to talk about the man that I guess, in my opinion, thinks that Earth is so boring that he has to go to space. But what are your thoughts on Jeff when he decides to end up saying he's going to build his own rocket and then go off to space and do that? How do you feel about that? But also, what do you think is the future if you see a lot of these different people that are trying to get into that, like Elon's creating his with SpaceX, and then you have Jeff saying, I'm going to take a team and go to space? I mean, look, I think it's great to see you know, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk using their personal wealth to you know, push new boundaries and frontiers, and you mm -hmm. know, space is, is definitely one of them. Um, you know, charity is another common example. But you know, in terms of space, you know, had it not been for Elon and Jeff Bezos really mm -hmm. pushing the envelope on you know, space travel, as well as modernizing you know, how we get rockets um, or satellites into space, right? Mm -hmm. We used to be reliant on, you know, very kind of legacy incumbent, you know, technologies and, and companies. Um, you know, we wouldn't have the innovation we have today. Yeah. And so it's good to see that, you know, pushing the boundaries and frontiers. Yeah, so I'll just roll off mine really quick for everyone mm -hmm. out there. So the first one, and it's a tandem one. So I like Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman, what they're doing with their venture capital and then also investing, because a lot of times we'll hear of like LeBron or we'll hear of Tom Brady, Steph Curry, we'll hear of those athletes. Mm -hmm. But then Kevin Durant's investing in a lot of different companies too with the help of Rich Kleiman. So that's why I put them together. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Twitter. So Jack Dorsey's another one. And just like the different ideas he wants to come up with, like you brought up Square, then he has Twitter as well. So those mm -hmm. are two. Another one that I've gained so much respect for over the years, Kathy Wood. So just what mm -hmm. she's doing with like ARK Invest, is just a big one. And then I am a talker and I will always end up going against the grain at times. So Chamath Palapatia mm -hmm. is another one that I end up like really liking. Um, with that being said, I do want to say I appreciate you one for coming out tonight. But do you have anything for the people before we finish up today? Do you want to say anything else? Let them know about anything. Well, I feel like I have to now. No. But, I, mean, I, look, I, I, I think, you know, back to my days in university and guide, guidance to, you know, young students and professionals, you know, change course, you know, quickly as new information comes into the fold. Uh, don't be afraid to push boundaries. Um, you know, I think, you know, innovation is critical, um, both in your own kind of personal journey, but also in pushing that agenda within the companies you work for. Um, so, you know, just be a constant learner and, you know, live life as, you know, to the fullest you can. Yeah. So uh, the biggest things I want to say to everyone out there, thank you all for coming tonight to this event. Thank you, Mason Young. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you to Capital One for letting me have Mason Young tonight, because uh, just talking to Mason, he does so much. And I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Thank you to your family for letting me speak to you tonight. But everyone out there, just make sure to continue to do your own research with different things. Uh, make sure you end up enjoying different football events. Enjoy your family as well. And stay tuned for future ones that we do have. That's the biggest thing I want to say.
we will have a lot of different things coming up. Thank you to McLean Community Center, as always. And if you all are interested in, take a look outside at the guides that they do have available and make sure to come out to different events that they do have. Um, but with that, thank you, Mason. I appreciate it for just being here tonight. Thank all so. of you. Thank you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you having me.